Canetto di Coronia, Sicily, 2003. A sudden fire that began with the fuse box of a family's home sparked the beginning of a string of unexplained fires. The tiny seaside town of small homes, tight families, and working class people became the source of international news because strange fires soon began happening all over town. They seemed to occur with electrical devices and appliances like a TV, a ceiling fan, a hairdryer, and more. By June of the following year, dozens of fires had caused damage to homes and businesses, and the residents along the main street, VMR, had to evacuate for a period of time, twice. The first theory was that poor wiring was to blame, but some of the fires began when appliances weren't even plugged in leading some to say that something more sinister could be at play. Many scientists, electricians, and organizations studied Canetto di Coronia for years, yet no one has ever figured out a cause for the mysterious fires. This is a study of strange. Welcome to the show. I'm Michael May, and I'm joined by Laura Moss, writer-director of Birth Rebirth, a movie that's premiering at Sundance in just Hi. a matter of a few days. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're, you're very welcome. I'm, I'm so thrilled to have you on. Uh, and Birth Rebirth, yeah, I've been following the movie for a long time because of our mutual partner in crime, Molly Elfman. And so I'm just so excited you all not only finally got to make it, but now you're premiering it at Sundance of all places. Yeah. And can are you allowed to say what's going to happen after Sundance? Can you share any news? I think that we are. Shudder is distributing yeah. it with IFC Films. And nice. so I know that there is definite talk of a theatrical release. We have to see kind of how it plays at festivals to determine the breadth of that release. But mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping that you'll be able to see it. Uh, in a theater near you in 2023. Yes, yeah. And and even if it does, I'm sure it'll be on Shutter at some point. It'll absolutely too, be on right? Shutter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. yeah. Nice. Well, that's exciting. Do you want to tell people about the movie at all? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a Frankenstein-inspired uh, thriller starring Judy Reyes and Marin Ireland. And um, yeah, it's sort of a modern day take on the Frankenstein myth uh, starring women and incorporating uh, the female body into the creation process. Yeah. And it's it, funnier than it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to pitch it. Uh, no, it's a great it's a great project. And again, I'm, I'm just so thrilled for you all uh, premiering it at Sundance and, and excited it's going to make it out in the world. And thank you so much for coming on the show, too. We oh, are going to have. Yeah, we're going to have some fun talking about some weird things, because this is one of the most bizarre, strange phenomena, if you want to call it that, like stories that I've ever come across. Mm -hmm. And it's a tale that takes place in the town of Canetto di Coronia in Sicily, Italy. And not some great things happened there around 2004. It was a, a lot of electrical fires. And it's completely unexplained because these electrical fires started without warning. Um, and you'll hear more about some of the strangeness around some of those fires in a second. And it caused the whole small town of Canetto to evacuate for a period of time twice, actually. They had to evacuate twice. Uh, and then this repeated itself 10 years later in 2014. 
But yeah, there's theories from every direction. Like there's religious theories because it's Italy. So of course the Mm. devil is going to be a prominent figure in this story. But there's mystical theories, there's curses, there's potential arson, uh, science, there's a variety of scientific theories around like electromagnetism or, or, you know, underground sort of volcanic uh, activity and stuff like that. But there's all these theories, but no one knows for sure still to this day. No one knows quite what happened and why it happened. Laura, you shared the devil toaster video. Oh, yes. So, yeah, you described this a little bit to me before we came on the podcast. And it immediately made me think of um, my brother used to pull clips. He, he had this job pulling clips for NBC Universal Archives. And it really it really affected his mood because one week it would be like puppies and next week it would be like 9-11. And, you know, like his, it was like always different. And uh, he would save sort of the best, weirdest stuff that he came across. And he found this this clip of a woman being interviewed whose toaster was satanic. It, it shoots fire and it, and it has sort of hail Satan burned into the toast. And then yep. I don't want to spoil it. Maybe you can put it in the show notes, but her. Oh, her I will. Yeah. That's a good idea. Interview is a, uh, is a real classic. I really, whenever I'm feeling sad, I watch that, that clip. Yeah. She, yeah. Uh, I, I won't spoil it either. Everybody should watch <laughs> it. And you might've even seen it. I've, I had seen that before, but it's been many years, maybe even because your brother found it and put it maybe. out on the news somewhere. Uh, <laughs> but no, the ending is just like, you could not write it any better than how that, that ends. Yeah. Now, while, while I don't know what your beliefs are of the satanic toaster, um, mm. I don't believe that that was a satanic toaster. I, I'm a skeptic. I'm going to say that that was, there was something fraudulent. I'm really impressed though. I mean, I think yeah. the etching, the the burn in hail yep. Satan is really a firm commitment. Um, yes. And not easy to do. So yeah, no, I don't believe that at all. I'm not, no. I, I tend to be a, a skeptic of, of many unexplained phenomena. Yes. But, well, that's um, good. And, and wear the skeptical hat today because I I actually do think this is a weird, bizarre phenomenon that happened mm. in the town of Canetto. I And I'm always the one that's like, no, this person made it up. No, this person might have, you know, they might have done this, blah, blah, blah. I do think electricity is involved somehow. And this are, these are predominantly electrical fires. Mm. And it made me myself think about the electricity in general and being like, I wonder if most laymen, most people that aren't aren't scientists that don't know about electricity... It's electricity is almost like magical. It is weird. And I don't fully understand it. And it's no. dangerous. So it, it is in your house. <clears throat> yeah. It's in your house. I'm definitely like an amateur house home fixer upper. And I don't f, f-, f- with electronics. I don't know if we yeah. curse on the podcast or not, but oh, I, yeah, don't, you can. I, I don't fuck it. with electronics at all. Um, I like can't rewire a lamp. I mean, I could, <laughs> but I'm afraid I would burn the house down. So. Kill yourself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, and so that is part of this is like, is this strange just because electricity is involved? Because electricity is so bizarre in its own nature of itself. Mm. Like, so there is there is this, there's a lot of layers to the mystery of this. One of them might just be electricity is so weird. Electricity <laughs> is weird. So that's one of them. The other thing is that, uh, you know, I've already said this once, but in Sicily, it's predominantly Catholic. So there is this layer of cultural, religious and and history that kind of just colors this tell, tale a, a little bit more than just, oh, some weird stuff happened. Like there's some mm-hmm. really interesting layers thinking about almost like a screenplay, like we're, we're making some color for the story. And I'm going to quote from a New York Times piece in 2004 by a writer named Al Baker. He says, 
There are many ways for evil to arrive, but perhaps only one way to get rid of it, exorcism. That about sums up the collective psyche of this stone-filled village perched above the sea after a series of puzzling electrical shorts, unexplained fires, and smoky outbursts that struck in nine houses displacing 17 families. Wow. So, yeah, and what that was before, like, the, the numbers of that are actually far greater in terms mm-hmm. of the people that were displaced for a period of time. Um, but you do see from that quote how the, the events are, are in 2004 and 2005 and thereabouts are uh, not just sort of a scientific mystery, but also dealing with uh, potentially evil, depending on your beliefs. Or just maybe pubescent energy. I mean, that's, there that's you go. the guys phenomenon, right? That's, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good thought. So Canetto, uh, more precisely, is a village and civil parish in the Italian municipality of Caronia, and when I say it's a small town, it is a very tiny town. I was able to look at the population in not exactly when this happened, but like a few years later, and it was 150 people. Oh, wow. And it's kind of, have you ever driven up the Pacific Coast Highway in California? I have, yeah. It's terrifying. You know, oh, it is. <laughs> but do you know how like the highway will pass through little little towns where like mm-hmm. some of the houses are down by the coast and others like are up above the highway? Mm-hmm. That is very much what Canetto is like. It's a small town with a highway that runs through and there's mm-hmm. homes down by the coast. It is very beautiful. It is, you know, stone streets and it's Italy and it's, you know, it's gorgeous. But it's just little homes with little tiny streets that I'm sure are two ways because it's Italy, but only one car can kind of fit down them. <laughs> uh, and yeah, the highway runs above and then there are some homes in the hills above and everybody knows everybody. It's a lot of the same families. So a lot of like if you live in one house, your grandmother might live next door and your uncle lives on the other side. So it's a lot of families are there. And even though it's on the coast and it's beautiful, it is not a rich place. It is These are not like three million dollar homes. This is a working class community where predominantly people are are farmers and other sort of working working class folk. And just I'll just say this too because I, I like to be precise. But uh, if people out there are not geographically aware, because there's a lot of people that just don't they don't get geography. I don't know how you are with geography. I I love maps. I love maps. So I like I always visualize maps. Uh, but Sicily is the island that the boot of Italy is kicking. So that's where how most people know it. Uh, historically, they were not always Italian, uh, and a lot of them still feel uh, different than than Italian. Um, so there's there's a lot of interesting history there to get to that that you can look into. Did you see the White Lotus this, this season? Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, oh that's right, that was in Sicily. Yeah, Sicily, yeah. Oh my god, didn't even put that together. Yeah, very a very different Sicily. It sounds like yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't know. Actually, <laughs> we'll find out. There's some. There's some interesting people we will talk about. Um, yeah, and I'm so glad. What's her face? One. I know that's not oh, important Jennifer for the pilot. Yeah, what a great I just, speech. Yeah, I, I, great speech. And I've just always thought she was brilliant. So I was so happy in season one too, where it's like she finally has this platform to really show what she can do. So I'm I'm so excited for her. Now, uh, I did play around on Google Maps with this town and. It, it's if anybody does take an interest to this story, I, I I urge you to go look at it, and you can see how tight everything is. So, and that's fire is dangerous, and it spreads. And when you have homes that are very old homes that are all connected via walls, um, you can see why people were very worried about a lot of fires <laughs> that were happening. Um, so, yeah, let me get into the actual fire stories. So, on December twenty third, two thousand and three. 
two days before Christmas, town resident Antonio Pizzino, who goes by the name Nino, was at home and he was having dinner with his family when a fire started in the wall. And this is actually where our scene comes in, Laura. So we're going to do a little scene, a dramatization of um, Nino telling a news crew about what happened to him when these fires started. Do you have that in front of you? I do have it in front of me. Okay. So I'll read the like descriptors and descriptors. I don't know why I call it that, but there you go. Um, why don't you read Nino and I'll read the news reporter. Is that all right? That's all right. So we're going no Italian accent on this. It one. is. It's up to you. I'm not going to do it because I know I'm going to be terrible. So I'm just going to, I'm going to sound like me. So it's, it's up to you. Uh-oh. <laughs> all right, you ready? All right, let's go. The interior of Nina's, Nino's home at night and Nino Pizzino is leading a TV news crew through his house and speaks to a reporter off camera. Now, follow me down this hallway. Nino gestures for the cameraman to follow him into a living room. The most serious occurrence happened in this room while we were eating. He points to a fuse box on the wall. The electrical fuse box here. The whole thing burned. The curtains here were on fire, as were a lot of these things nearby. What did you do? I put out the fire. Then we had the whole electrical system changed, you know, but things kept catching fire. And it didn't stop there, did it? No. Fires began breaking out in the whole village? Right. I don't know why. I don't understand it. No one does. That Ooh. was brilliant. Good <laughs> Thank you. That was Just great. A little, a little infusion, yeah. but not really Italian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. A little infusion was very nice. I think Nino would be proud. <laughs> so, as you can tell, uh, I, I mean, obviously... I wrote the scene and it's a made up scene as I do on the show, but I did base that off of an actual uh, news crew that came in because news started to spread that there were some weird fires starting in this town and he showed everybody where the fires started. Uh, later on, like a day or so later, Nino's TV exploded, apparently mm-hmm. just like popped and was on fire. And when you typically read about this case, most people say that's when the fire started his tv caught fire but that actually came a little later it started with the fuse box so if that was me i'd be like oh fuse box electricity i'm not going to think anything crazy i'm not going to think the devil i'm not going to think some weird something's going on i'm just going to be like something's wrong with wrong with the wiring and and that's exactly what everybody else thought so we had the electric some sort of electrician come in and and do some work But the strangeness didn't end there, Laura. It Mm. did not. Uh, In the following weeks, a series of unexplained phenomena began to happen around town all along the main street of of Canetto, which is called Via Mar. And by June, others uh, of the following year, by June, the small town was affected by many, 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 many fires. And residents were basically saying that it was normally appliances that were catching fire. It was like a ceiling fan, a hairdryer, vacuum cleaner, kitchen appliances, that's where these things are happening. So it's not like a wall just burst fire, but it's always some sort of electrical thing. Now, where it gets really weird is some people are reporting that the appliances aren't even plugged in. So, yeah. Ah. yeah. Now we're talking about devil toasters at that point. <laughs> so uh, when it first started, Nino had called up the mayor. His name was Pedro Spinato. And I know it may sound weird to like call up the mayor when you have a, like your own personal 
fire in your house, but it's a small town. Everybody knows they everybody. Know they know each other. Each other. Yeah. They all know yeah. each other. And he needs, uh, Nino needs help because the power company, I don't know how to say it. It's E-N-E-L is the acronym. I think it's Enel, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, Enel was not very helpful. They were like, oh, you rewired the house. That's all you need to do. Nothing's wrong. And they like wouldn't really respond, even though all these fires kept starting and, and, and going on. Mm-hmm. And which honestly just makes me think of the power department here. I deal with. That, yeah. That's Con Ed in New York. It's yeah. Like, luck. Yeah. It's, it's no different in a small town in Italy. Mm-hmm. So Spinato, the, the mayor came over, he started looking at Nino's house. He's talking to the neighbors and he's like, all right, yes, we, we got to do something. This is really bad for the village. Again, we're all close together. Everybody could catch on fire. And more and more fires started. So Spinato out of desperation calls Enel, the power company, and told them to shut down power to the whole town because that's how potentially dangerous this could be. Uh, and they did. And now I'm going to quote from an article by Ariel Ramchadani. Ramchadani. Yeah, Ramchadani. I love that name. That's a beautiful name. And she did a, she, I will have links to this in the show notes. She did, had an amazing article about everything that happened in Canetto. So she says, on February 9th, two houses burned. One of Pizzino's neighbors rushed to the local police station with the bottom of his pants burned and his shoes on fire. An article in a national newspaper reported that he said the devil was burning behind him, and then he thrust his shoes into the hands of a police officer. His daughter's bedroom had burned, charred black. He and his wife were afraid to leave the children alone in the house. They felt fear, anger, desperation. His wife would tell the Unexplained Files, which is a like documentary series, like a discovery show type thing, uh, with her arms crossed in front of her chest. When you lose everything, you become desperate. That day, Mayor Spinato ordered the residents of VMR to evacuate. Pizzino, who was evacuated to a nearby apartment, hated being away from his home. In his yard in Canetto, he kept tortoises and dogs, including uh, Cerneco della Etna, um, butchered that word i apologize uh, a pale-eyed bronze sicilian hunting dog and he says i was born here always lived here the evacuation he recalled seemed like a prison sentence so yeah so people are evacuated it's not as dramatic as it sounds as a, as of as an evacuation because people went to nearby apartments or a hotel which is right at the top of town so they're mm-hmm. still in they're town they're not, yeah they're not like evacuated across the island of sicily they're, they're still in town but they're they can't be at home which is never fun and never comfortable and on march oh by the end of march 92 fires had been reported uh now there's a documentary i saw that said 50 fires around this time there's other articles that say 17 there's just a lot i think everybody's different numbers because not everybody's 100% sure like there's that many fires that it's like if you have two fires in your house they may only report that as one but two so that's why there's all these differing accounts of numbers of stories and it seems like you you said there's an arson theory there is unbelievable to think that someone could be like santa claus all around the town with starting fires but especially with electrical fires like that's where the the arson thing is really odd to me but keep that keep it in the back of your head because we will we will revisit that a little bit more uh as we move along but that it's a really good point because i do not think these initial fires are arson they're there's they're too weird copycat return maybe maybe so mayor spinato desperate for help called and i 
I just want to pause for a second because there are like four helicopters circling my neighborhood right now. So oh, no. I don't think my microphone's picking those up. But if anybody's annoyed by I'm a weird background sound. Okay, good. <laughs> it might be okay, though. It is a little disconcerting to be like, oh, those have been out there the whole time we've been recording. This is weird. So uh, anyway, Mayor Spinato called the government. He called the civil defense. He called the Italian equivalent of the National Guard. He literally called every agency he could think of because no one's helping. No one's solving anything. He's had to evacuate town. He, he just needs somebody to do something. Um, and authorities soon began investigating, but they initially thought, it's arson, like you said. Like that was the first thing. Is it's like okay, fires around town. We got to look into arson. I don't know if they're necessarily just like they don't want to look at anything else. I think it's just that's the natural thing to be like. Okay, well, we got to cross, go down the checklist, and be like, could it be arson? And that's what we're going to investigate. Sure. Other organizations uh, and people and individuals came into the National Institute of Geophysics and Volcanology. The Committee for the Investigations of Claims of Pseudosciences, which is apparently a thing. Wow. In Italy. Yeah. That's just the, what's the, what's the X-Files division? That's just them, right? I, I think that's them. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so fascinating. And then a bunch of like TV news crews and TV mm-hmm. investigators, which I have been for a, a vast majority of my last five or so years in, in the business. So I know you don't fully trust TV investigators. I've been one of them. But they're there as well, trying to figure out what's going on. And the National Research Council, which if I'm understanding all of the weird councils and things that are involved, then the Research Council put together a very specific task force to look into this. And now I'm going to quote from another article on Oddity Central. In April 2005, the Italian government created a special task force of high-ranking army officers, engineers, architects, geologists, and physicists to investigate the situation in the sleepy little village. The group conducted an extensively thorough analysis, aerial photo, remote sensing, assessment of geophysical and geochemical data, detection of magnetometric and electromagnetic fields, radioelectric spectrum monitoring, and more. The results, however, were inconclusive. So they're doing all this stuff, and they're not getting any answers. I mean, I'm very interested in the volcanologists, because... That was my sort of, I feel very ignorant. I, and I'm an artist from childhood and stopped taking math and science at the earliest possible opportunity. So I feel out of my depth here. But yeah. it, the island is a volcano, yes? Uh, if it's not a volcano, there's volcanoes around it and nearby I mean, are part right of it. There. Like, yeah. yeah, there's like active yeah. volcanoes around this place. And yes. I can't imagine that like, that I mean, I can imagine that that would maybe affect sort of pulses of energy. Yeah, you know you would, that that, that yeah. would have some impact. I mean, there's literally lava flowing around and under this place. Yeah, and uh, you're you're very smart because I did not thinking I did not start thinking of that right away. I had to read very smart people saying those things for me to go, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, so you're, you're, you're picking up a good thing. I'll get into it in a little bit, but I will mention one of the, the like nicknames for right off the coast where people, there's like a scuba diving place or, or a popular place for scuba diving and they call it like the stinky zone. And it's because of all the methane leaking up from oh, yeah. underground in the ocean there. And there's also uh, two fault lines, which comes into a, a theory that someone proposes, which we'll get to as well, that run kind of nearby or through the area. Um, so yeah, you're you're on to something. 
And my personal theory is that there's something about the energy of that. Like it what and I'm not smart enough either. I'm out of I'm way over my head as well about understanding sort of electromagnetism and and all of that kind of stuff. But they, it seems to me that they're all kind of connected. And there's some kind of energy that's creating something, even if it's just for a short period of time, which is kind of what happened. Yeah, that's that's really astute. That's good, Jim. So this task force, uh, they had never investigated anything like this before, as you can imagine. So that doesn't help them kind of figure out even what to do, because they're all they're all rookies at this. And they did notice from time to time that car alarms would go off randomly. Sometimes electric gates would open or close without someone hitting the clicker. Mm. And according to a documentary I saw on Quest TV, there was a magnetic element where like metal objects may move slightly, just uh, slightly or compasses would get, you know, they, they wouldn't quite point due mm. north. Um, I cannot corroborate a lot of those reports in the documentary, but it is interesting to note talking about these interesting powers of the earth and allegedly according to that same doc uh there would be pulses of strong electromagnetic forces up to 15 gigawatts which is stronger than when the space shuttle lifts off wow yeah and there was suspicion that because it was so strong some people on these on this task force and other organizations thought it was man-made like this isn't mother nature someone some man had to create something or human had to create something uh, to create this kind of level of, of electromagnetic forces. And they couldn't tell where they were coming from. And one of the theories is that they were coming from out at sea. So this is where we get to one of the big theories of this, which is there's some kind of cover up because the military is testing new weapon or new technology off the coast of Sicily and of course, a lot of them think that it's the U.S. government because we, yeah, we do say, have a presence. Really military conspiracies. I don't I don't follow. Yeah. But yeah. This, this sounds like something that we would do. <laughs> I Absolutely. It. No, me too. It, it Yeah, it makes sense to me, too. And there are look, we have a major presence in the Mediterranean Sea. We do mm-hmm. have uh, a lot of, I'm sure, military deals, whatever, whatever the word is with the Italian government, those kind of things. It kind of it kind of fits. I'm not mm. saying I fully believe that, but it definitely kind of fits. Yeah, and before we kind of go completely down the the conspiracy rabbit hole, uh, none of that has been verified. This is 2004 into 2005. They're investigating this, and of course, nothing has really come out. Which, if you believe there's a cover up, of course, that's why we're not learning anything else. Do you say the height of this was March to April 2004? It is. Or it's kind of. One- that's just one 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 kind of time period. So it started late 2003, and then it just kind of slowly sprinkles. And by June of by June. 2004, okay. they had been, I think that's the, the month they were evacuated, but they kind of drifted it's in there. Interesting, because uh, we had a family event in um, April of 2004. Um, uh, right before a, pass, a family Passover Seder, our dryer started shooting flames. And my brother heroically ran to put out the fire with our fire extinguisher, which none of us knew we had. Um, but we call that the great dryer, the great Passover dryer fire of 2004. Oh my so, gosh. And, and where were knows? you, where Maybe were you living? A little, little offshoot. Well, yeah. what was that? New York, New York, New City. York. All right. All right. No, no, not at all. But that is interesting. <laughs> what did it actually in my mind, there's like huge flame shooting it, it, out of it. Literally. Yeah. It was like shooting out of the dryer. There oh was like, or, you know, the, the wall across from the dryer was burned. It was like a very scary event. 
that and that gives you like direct experience of what a lot of these people were were going through in Canada. I have to say we only assumed that it was an electrical problem and not Satan. But yeah. it only happened once. I think maybe if there were others. Yeah. Do you know? Did do you? I mean, obviously you replaced that that appliance. But did <laughs> yeah. they did they work on anything in the house? Did they like rewire the room, the outlet, or do you remember? You know, I was like home from college. I don't remember. But, yeah. Um, I hope they did because we actually lived in a in a landmark building, like an mm-hmm. old old apartment building in New York City. So I think it's very feasible that we have electrical issues. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And look, it, it's feasible. They have electrical issues in Canada. This is an old town with old mm-hmm. homes that were probably initially built before electricity was was a thing. Right. Um, so that yeah, that is that's a huge thing to think about. That's that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> now, there is a there is a different theory from a telecom expert named Sergio Conti that said the he noticed that the fibers, the wires, they were burnt on the outside, but not the inside. So he didn't suspect it was an electrical problem because of that, because it would have been burnt the other way around if it was. And he actually suspected human involvement. I don't know what he means by that. I don't know if he means arson or if he means military shooting some weird waves in our direction. Um, And one detail that has been looked into involves nearby train tracks. So train, much like the PCH that I talked about earlier, there's, you know, the, the, the train, the surf liner goes up the coast of California right along that highway route. So there's trains that kind of run nearby. Uh, and they're going, where are they going in, in Sicily? They're going, oh, I didn't write it down. Yeah, I thought I did. Oh, I did. So the, these train tracks are going from Palermo to Messina. And some people in the winter of 2004 and into early 2005, some residents noticed the fires would occur when the train was going by. So there is this theory that like the train tracks are over potentially some of the wires or underneath some of the power lines and it's creating some kind of force field that's shooting. Yeah, yeah. overheating, sending a surge of electricity, something like that. Some of the organizations uh, that investigated this looked into that and couldn't find any validity to that theory, but it is interesting to note. And like I mentioned earlier, religious beliefs, uh, there is a Catholic priest in Rome at the time named Gabriella Amorth, who had the best title I've heard in a long time. He was the president of the International Association of Exorcists. Ooh. And yeah, and he believed this was all the cause of of magic and implied a connection to Satan. Mm. And that he, I honestly think he is the besides some of the locals just being like, oh, it's the devil. I don't think they were necessarily really believing this is the devil that's starting a fire in my toaster. Mm. I actually think when this priest said this because he's in Rome, it made the 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 press, the media, more attentive to the story of Canetto. Because mm. now you have the headline, which I'm probably going to even create a title for this episode that involves <laughs> Satan or the devil in it. But it's like it's that headline of the devil is, you know, starting fires, the devil's in town or whatever. Um, mm. So so as much as it is fun to talk about Satan being included in theories, I actually don't think many people ever believed it. I think writers always included it because of that. The clickability. Yeah, yeah. And the president has a vested interest in in blaming Satan. I imagine. Of course. 
Of yeah. course. Yeah. You gotta you gotta do that. Even the local there was a local priest that disagreed with the Satan aspect. He was just more like, No, there's something's going on that we just don't understand, but it's not the devil. Mm. And I would speculate yeah, I mean, I've already kind of said this, so I'm repeating myself, but I'm just thinking like a powerful priest in Rome claiming it's magic and Satan. If he doesn't say that, I don't know that really this story anyone. gets out or anyone kind of latches onto it. But I'm sure it would get an out, but gotten out, but not as prominently as this story is. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an engineer named Francisco Valenti who is actually hired by the locals because they're not happy that none of these organizations, all these people are investigating this and no one's actually coming up with any conclusions. Mm-hmm. So the locals hire this guy, Francisco Valenti, and he concluded that the fires were caused by roaming electrical charges. And there's some science that I do not understand about this, but we've already kind of been talking about that. Like it just, it makes sense in my head. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it, but it makes sense in my head. Um, And in typical bureaucratic fashion, Valenti said you need to rewire the whole town. That'll solve everything. Not just rewire, but change the shapes of like all the wires are coming in over here in this angle, but they shouldn't be at that angle. This wire should come from this way and this wire should come from that way. So actually putting some science and knowledge to the test to, you know, this is how we're going to do it and everybody's going to be safe. But uh, the authorities didn't listen and they didn't rewire the town in that exact fashion. And so uh, fires continued in in that same time frame of 2004 and 2005. In June of 2004, residents did move back into their homes. But then later that year, fires started up again more prominently and they kind of they got evacuated again in the middle of 2005. I don't think for very long, but they were at least for a short period of time were evacuated again. And then after 2005, the fires sort of stopped. Like that's it just it just stopped without a lot of work being done, without a lot of rewiring. They just, yeah, everybody's better. People move back home. And there are some articles I came across that are like fires kept going. But it's like I can't confirm that. And it seems like the the more trustworthy sources are like, no, they kind of stopped. What were you about to say? Oh, just like their fires happen in life. Maybe it was not the volume of fire. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I think so. Now, one of the research groups noticed that there was grass near town because, oh, they, I should clarify, they kept investigating even after the fires stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these some of these organizations kept studying and they noticed that grass near town was burnt, but it seemed like it was burnt from underground, which does suggest, again, this thermodynamic volcanic yeah. something. Volcanoes also like ebbing and flowing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There you go. So, yeah, it's it's this weird amalgamation of all these different theories. You we have we have the Satan one, which I've already kind of explained. I don't I don't I personally wouldn't believe that anyway, but I also don't think many people did outside of media. Um, you have this vol- volcanic or geologic or thermodynamic something. You have electromagnetism coming from somewhere, potentially out at sea, but these bursts of of electromagnetic pulses arson obviously one of the theories which it doesn't seem like we believe that one for these weapons testing there's also ufo theories and yeah and it's it's a fun one as ufos are always fun but i've watched some videos i read some things i think kinetto's even been included in some of those documentary series that are like hunting for ufos and those kind of things it's they've gone to the to kinetto or they've at least looked into it 
And all the video footage I've seen with like strange lights out at sea or articles about this kind of thing too, it's never from locals. And I can't confirm that the video footage is actually from Kinetto. Mm -hmm. So I kind of think that's more of just TV shows and documentary. And then people think that that's real because these people still exist. This is 2004. This isn't that long ago. They're still talking to news media today. They're still being interviewed. None of the locals are talking about UFOs. Yeah, you'd think that that would that would be a thing. Yeah. And then also, I feel like the UFO theory, I mean, this is true across the board, the UFO theory and the secret military operation theories are always, always sort connected. Of inextricably yeah. Linked. And that's I wrote a little note here that was like some combination of all of the theories, because <laughs> they do there is there is some tie in with at least some of them like weapons testing could be electromagnetic. UFOs could be tied to military because they might be flying something off the coast or, you know, whatever else. So there is there's something's going on. Something mm. here is, is definitely going on. One of the strongest voices in the like military testing theory is a guy named uh, Verando. And he was the guy in charge of that research task force I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And whenever he was studying the area, he noticed that there were no fires whenever his task force was around. They studied kind of late, like they studied a few years later too. So that kind of makes sense. But it's that just stood out to me as interesting. Like that is interesting that nothing's going on when he's around. So it's like the WB frog. It just it just plays dead <laughs> while you're gone. I mean, sure, sure. But that I think that task force may think a lot of itself if they think the military is truly paying attention to their work. Yeah, it, that's a good point. And I do think he's predominantly the one that's like it's the u.s government i think he's the guy that's like the big spearheaded like u.s is doing this so that is that is that is interesting that you say that so i read this thing about electromagnetic waves uh some one of the people that doesn't think it's electromagnetic waves who is a scientist and i stupidly did not write it down his name i'm sure he's in one of the many links i will include in my show notes um but he said electromagnetism is an kind of a not a great idea when you're trying to figure out exactly what's going on because it's a very broad term and Mm -hmm. it includes as he says everything and nothing so (laughs) it's not very specific so you're not really going to get answers when you start just being it's electromagnetism um and the point of saying all of this and rambling on about all these things is that there's no leading theory like even Mm -hmm. to this day almost 20 years later it's truly an unexplained event in this small town in Sicily. But you know, I think what keeps coming to mind when you say this is and it's it's unrelated but I think I think tangentially related. Uh mm. I used to live in the Middle East. I lived in Jerusalem and the West Bank for a while mm-hmm. and I remember coming to this place and you know, I am a culturally Jewish atheist. Um coming to this place and being really struck by this like human energy that this was like this focus for these three religions and you could feel it. It was very palpable like this. And it was magnetic. It was sort of like, I remember going with my friend who's Jewish to the church of the Holy Sepulcher where Christ was supposedly crucified. And there's Golgotha where people come and they put their foreheads to this stone. Mm -hmm. And we both felt it. We both felt this like, pull to go do that thing. And it was really uncanny. And I've never, you know, I I think I've been to other places that have different energies, but I don't know, as a skeptic, I think what I tend to believe is like, on a long enough timeline, I think most things can be explained scientifically, but we are not there. 
There yeah. are so many things that we, so many phenomena that we experience that we can't explain, yeah. which doesn't mean that they're supernatural. It just means that we, they may be entirely natural. We just don't know how to talk about yeah. them yet. Yeah. I, and I completely a hundred percent agree with you. And one of the things I just, I love stories. I love mysteries. That's why mm -hmm. I'm doing a show like this. And, and it really, I'm really more honed into it now that I've gotten older and realized like, oh, I've always loved this stuff. Let me try to incorporate it in, in things that I do in my life. And one of the things that's always kind of stood out to me because I am a skeptic. I don't usually believe the conspiracies or the aliens or anything like that. I love the stories, but I don't always believe it. But where I get a little weird is that we don't understand everything yet. Mm -hmm. And even my previous episode, which as we're recording this, it hasn't come out yet, but it comes out tomorrow as we're recording this. But I do one about a time slip, this experience of like time travel in a brief moment. Mm -hmm. And I don't know a lot about it. I haven't, I'm not one of those people that reads a ton of time travel articles and news and stuff. So it was a way for me to kind of learn about it. And the thing that stands out to me is our understanding of time keeps changing very dramatically, especially now where all these amazing scientific discoveries are going on and mm -hmm. all these different levels of physics and, and at the quantum level and all these kind of things that are over my head. But our understanding of time is so infantile that yeah. it's like, I do think some of these strange things that happens, they may not be mystical by any means they might be scientific but we don't understand them yet we'll experience and, them as mystical until a later date yes absolutely. yes which is true with the history of human kind you know so mm. um yeah I, I i just completely agree with you now no i was gonna say but it could definitely be the u.s government i mean let's be real yeah absolutely, <laughs> they, absolutely. Do like they, they do they do and especially you know what is the i I think there's been updates on it, but the Havana syndrome, do you know what that is? The, uh, I know. Has there been updates on it? I think there was. I, so I don't know what it is. I'm not going to tell you the update, but I think I <laughs> saw something that was like, oh, we now have you know an explanation of what this could be. I know what be. it is. Yeah, that was very scary. Yeah, that's very scary. But that that makes me think of this story of Kinetto because if there is some sort of like some kind of electrical or, or whatever force that's going out that could mm -hmm. be coming from a specific place or direction or man-made... You know, it makes me think of Havana syndrome because they're mm -hmm. it's these people being affected by some force that we can't see or sense or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, yeah. Military. There you go. Uh, now, 2014. So 10 years after like the height of these fires, life had been returned to normal for the most part. But the fires started again in 2014. Mm -hmm. And a police officer who was working locally, Capitano Giuseppe Davini, he was brand new to the force. He wasn't around back in the initial fires. And he decided that he wanted to basically watch the town. And so he put up cameras, but he didn't want people to know he was putting up cameras. So it was a bit like a mission impossible for a small Italian police force to like hide cameras around town. But Please they were able to do it. All the cameras caught fire. Oh, that would oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but no. When we produce a TV series based off this, we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> So no, 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 he, he didn't, they didn't catch fire, um, but fires did start and they were able to see them on some of the cameras. Like there were a series of cars, a shed and some other things, even like a box of clothes, which is totally not electrical, caught fire and was really weird. And so the police are reviewing the footage and this is where things get interesting. This time, do you remember the, the Nino who you played, Antonio Pizzino? 
Oh yeah. Who you played in the scene. So he it was his house where the fires first started. Well, when police reviewed the footage of town with these new fires, uh, specifically on September 14th of 2014, Pizzino Nino is walking with his son Giuseppe, who is in his early 20s at the time, and they walk past a vehicle. They leave frame from the camera. They return moments later and find that the car is smoking. Days later, the two were seen again. Nino's talking with a group of men as Giuseppe kind of disappears and he takes something towards a shed. And then moments later, the shed is on fire. So <laughs> similar things happen with a Fiat uh, car and an Alfa Romeo. And police documented 40 potential fires, which all seemed to start with Giuseppe, Nino's son. And so, yeah, the thinking is here that because this is recorded and and they also recorded conversations on Nino's phone where he's talking about money and needing people to come in and make money and wanting attention. So it seems like the fires were being started by this family, more specifically Giuseppe, the son, and because it would be great for business. And so in 2015, Giuseppe is arrested. Nino, the father, was implicated to a lesser degree. I don't know if he was ever arrested, but something he got punished in some fashion that I, I can't specify. I could not find the details of, but Giuseppe was definitely arrested. Today, I can't find specifics on Giuseppe's case. Like I don't know if he went to jail or anything like that, but I do know that he was guilty. They He admitted to fires. Even his dad is like, oh, he started some of the fires. Yeah, some of the fires, some of the fires. Uh, and but that that's the question just from just from the way I said that, if you think about the initial fires, do you like the question is, did Giuseppe start all the fires? No, my theory is like Munchausen syndrome, basically, like the fires start, they get a lot of attention. The kid gets used to attention. He he embraces this phenomena and then takes over. I would yeah. I would guess that they're that they're married that way. Yeah. And I don't know, because there is this conversation with Nino, the father saying something about money. And it's not he's not he doesn't implicate himself brilliantly, like in a movie where he's like, listen, son, you should start those fires because it's good for business. But he is saying stuff about like, no, no, no fires and 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 money. This town needs money. And like, it's not 100 uh, percent because Nino does claim his own innocence. He's like, I wasn't part of the fires. Giuseppe. Mm-hmm. Yes, it looks like he definitely started fires. But he's my son and I love him and he shouldn't be punished that hard. He was, you know, just a kid getting in trouble. Um, but I, I agree. And that's that's even locals. A lot of the locals believe that Giuseppe didn't start the initial the initial round of fires that began mm-hmm. in around 2004. They believe that it was just the later fires, as do I, for the reasons that, that you just laid out. And also, again, they seem to be more electrical initially. Mm-hmm. And and there are videos that you will find on on YouTube. I don't believe all of them are from Kinetto. Like there's there's one where I saw a hairdryer ignite unplugged, Whoa. but I couldn't find that at any of the news of because mm-hmm. the news like news crews got footage and stuff of town that wasn't in any of that fire footage. So you can't trust all of the fire footage you see from the initial thing, but it does seem like they're all electrical. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the second fires do not seem to be. That seems to be fires what and cars and boxes. Way to promote tourism is to say <laughs> our town catches fire. <laughs> come visit. Come stay. The hotel is fine. Hotel is totally fine. Stay in the pool. Look over the city as it catches fire. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's really interesting. And Giuseppe or, or Nino, I should say, is in the insurance business. 
So there is some theories of like, hey, I wonder if there's like he was going to try to do some sort of insurance fraud around the fires and that kind of stuff. But none of that's quite confirmed. But yeah, I believe the initial fires were some kind of strange event. Mm -hmm. And then the second round was was Giuseppe. And locals still want want answers. Like they're still talking. Nino's been interviewed recently. Like they're still talking to people and they all still want answers. They don't think the government did enough to to a protect them but also b figure out what was wrong with the town and so canetto di coronia remains a place of of mystery and currently not on fire currently currently not on fire not on fire from what i can tell it is uh not on fire now if i am in sicily i want to go there i would love totally yeah and it is beautiful i would love to go to to canetto I, i think it looks great even the hotel looks nice the hotels like looks out over everything like I would absolutely stay there. Uh, yeah. Do you have any final thoughts on this? Oh my, no, this has been a wild <laughs> ride. Um, yeah. I, I would, I too would love to visit Canetto one day. I think mm-hmm. this, this place sounds charming. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And even the people sound charming. Um, there's, there's great little anecdotes of people staying in the hotel and some of them had never stayed in nice hotels. And they're like, I don't know what to do with myself in here. Like <laughs> breakfast is in the dining room. This is weird. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a fantastic story, but again, it's just, it's an unexplained story. And because I am a dumb, dumb about science and electricity, I just, I don't, I do not have a good theory. My theory is yeah. it's some kind of combination, some weird energy, I may lean a little more towards the the geothermal volcanic route than I would some military kind of testing something. Um, Also because of the location. I mean, it's not, as you said, we're we're active there, but it's not. Yeah, I would be curious to explain what they would actually be doing. Right. And also, like, what's the point? And also, they always are targeting because when military test stuff, in my understanding, and I'm I'm not in the military, so I could be wrong, they're not going to like use the same weapon in the same place over and over and over again. Oh, well, you know, it's funny. We didn't explicitly say this, but yeah. I never thought that this was their weapon. Oh, see, I that's a good point. Yeah. Like the fallout of something else. Something else. Doing. Yeah. <laughs> but my point would still be, why is it always directed in the same place? Unless I guess if it's the fallout of something, they could be they doing could be something. Offshore, yeah. Doing some, yeah. Yeah. And not realize that some kind of, whatever some kind of spill or <laughs> whatever is I'm happening always, when it comes to military conspiracies i'm always sort of on the side of incompetence like yeah. you know there it's not that i don't feel that they would do evil things it's i just don't know that we're very competent and yeah we're not i mean look we're all humans <laughs> and one of, one of the reasons i'm not a big conspiracy theorist is because i believe in human nature and we're all kind of idiots and yeah. people like to talk and people make mistakes and mm-hmm. some of the conspiracies out there like you're you're relying on people being really smart and a bunch of people working together keeping mm-hmm. secrets and not making mistakes about their overall plans and that's just that's not how humans work <laughs> so <laughs> including the military um no yeah that's that's a really good point about kind of fall off from something else that makes more sense to me than like a weapon that we're shooting at this cuz no one cares about a tiny village in Sicily um which mm-hmm. is what some people think but yeah the geothermal thing it is really interesting because I do think there's we don't understand everything about the energy and types of electromagnetism and stuff like that that can be created through these, you know, through geothermal activity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where, where my mind goes. Uh, but again, happy to be proven wrong. So if listeners out there, if you have your own theories or have updates about this, email me 
at a study of strange at gmail.com. I would love to hear about it. Well, thank you again, Laura, for doing this. Hey, do you want to tell people, are you a social media person? Do you want to tell people where to find you or find information um, on birth rebirth? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, on Instagram, I have a personal account, but, uh, my, my com- company at retrospector film, um, is probably the best place to get news about birth rebirth. Um, and I'm hoping there is lots of news coming shortly. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. We'll have fun in Sundance. Say hello to those that I know that you'll see. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah I, I wish you were coming. Fun. Yeah, me too. I haven't been to Sundance in like eight years. I used to go every year for like six or seven years uh, just for and it was it started my year off because I could get to network and meet people and start my year off. But luckily, I've been busy recently. Not this year. This year, I'm just not going because I'm not going. But it's cold. Uh, it's, it's cold. cold and it's cold. Yeah. It's expensive. I don't do well in crowds anymore. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that would make sense. But no, I think you're going to have a blast. And congratulations again. And thank you. So thank you. Thanks for having me. That'll do it for the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you again to the wonderful Laura Moss. Check out their movie, Birth Rebirth, premiering at Sundance this week as of this recording. And it will be soon followed by Theatrical and Shudder and probably some other places as well. I cannot recommend their movie enough. Check it out. Follow us on Instagram at A Study of Strange for updates and things. And as always, feel free to email me ideas, thoughts, things I missed, things I got wrong. Shoot me a message, a study of strange, all one word, at gmail.com. Talking about email as well, if you've listened to the to the show in the past, you know that I have made a few calls for personal UFO or UAP experiences for an upcoming episode. I still am compiling stories for that and probably will be for a while because some of the ones I've received, they don't want me to share on the air. Um, So yeah, reach out if you've had an experience or you know someone that has, I would love to hear from you. Again, astudyofstrange at gmail.com. I think that does it. You know, all the usual stuff. Check out our website or Patreon. We have new content there all the time, including unedited episodes going up. And that'll do it. Thank you again for listening and good night.